Decalomania was a mania for using temporary tattoo transfers. And the little strips of paper that the originals were printed on were called cockamamies. Welcome to the Common Errors in English Usage podcast. I'm here with Paul Bryant, author of the Common Errors in English Usage website and book. I'm the editor of that book and host of this weekly podcast, Tom Sumner. Hello, Paul. Hi, Tom. Paul, we were talking about adjectives. We started with the word idiotic because when we were discussing nouns, we started with the word idiot. But uh, there's more to talk about here, especially this quite interesting one, silly. Uh, has a good history. Let's trace some of that, shall we? Yeah, I, I knew about this from having studied Middle English and running into silly in, in contexts that were unfamiliar to me when I first heard about them. It was uh, related to another word spelled S-E-L-E, which meant happy or fortunate. But the original meaning of silly, as we know it, it was worthy, blessed, pious, holy, good. So it really uh, is very divorced from the modern meaning, almost an opposite. Mm -hmm. Then it went from there to be innocent, harmless, compassionate. Mm -hmm. But then it goes from the person who's being compassionate to uh, and harmless, being uh, somebody who is helpless, pitiable, defenseless. So it becomes uh, not a virtue, but a weakness. And then it comes to mean insignificant. Or trifling, so a silly little bird chirping away, you know, mm-hmm. would be trifling. It also was used for a while to mean worn out, frail, or sickly, and then eventually foolish, simple, ignorant, uneducated. Uh, by the 16th century, gets that meaning, mm-hmm. and uh, it also comes to mean mentally defective. But now it's mainly frivolous. Silly can mean the same thing as simple in the positive sense we talked about last time, but uh, not very often, really. Being silly is usually now a deliberate act, so you're acting silly. Mm -hmm. Being silly doesn't imply that the person is foolish, but often just suggests that they're fun-loving. And we were just out there being silly can be a very positive statement. We were having fun. Sure. We're enjoying ourselves. We're letting our hair down. Right. We were doing some silly dance. Yeah. Some body movement that's particularly outrageous or something. Uh, can be right. described as silly. Yeah. yeah if, if somebody tells you that your dancing looks stupid, it's more of an insult than if they tell you it, it was pretty silly. Yeah. But it can also mean stupefied, as in to knock a person silly, mm-hmm. bore a person silly, and so on. Now, sometimes it's used to fondly reassure someone. And you say, don't be silly. Of course I love you. One, knowing my interest in Disney cartoons, you'll not be surprised to hear that uh, the silly symphonies are uh, things that I'm quite interested in. Series of uh, short subjects, cartoons from uh, 1929 for the next uh, decade, where the Disney Corporation turned out these very inventive experiments in music and animation Toward the end of the period, they were experimenting with techniques that they were going to apply to Snow White when it came out, which was a huge revolution in, in animation. Many of them did not feature 
characters that were otherwise known. Like uh, there is the uh, the band concert starring Mickey Mouse, which is terrific. But um, there are a lot of others that are more abstract without known personalities like the old mill and trees and flowers. Uh, the most famous one is probably the Three Little Pigs. They went on to have a whole career in comic strips after that. And their song, of course, Who's Afraid of Big Bad Wolf, became very widespread and led to uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf, eventually. Mm -hmm. And there was one, the Little Red Hen, uh, who is the one who goes around saying the sky is falling. And among the various barnyard animals, there is a very bad-tempered duck who turns into Donald Duck later. Oh, so the Silly Symphonies gave rise to that character, too. Um, almost immediately after the Silly Symphony started, Looney Tunes was developed by Warner Brothers, and they obviously were patterning it on there. But it's interesting that they took the much stronger term, Looney. Of course, the ooh sound in, is in Looney and Tunes. It makes it sound good together. But their characters tend to be a good deal more crazy, like Daffy Duck. So they're, they're not just silly. They're definitely crazy. Right. And Carl Stalding composed... A lot of the Looney Tunes music. Right. I have a whole disc of his uh, music that he did for those cartoons. Sure. And he's been critically elevated to the point of, yes, just ha having uh, CDs produced of only his music, the great music of Carl Stalling. And it all sounds like the soundtrack to a Bugs Bunny cartoon, <laughs> but uh, very evocative music, mm -hmm. uh, really energetic and evocative. Um, so Silly sort of has the same trajectory as Simple. With the exception mm -hmm. that these days you can still use the word simple uh, in the positive sense, but uh, almost impossible to use the word silly in, in that same positive sense. Of uh, pious or holy. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You mentioned uh, early on happy or fortunate. The word silly? How do you pronounce that? Do we know? S-E-L-E. S-E-L-E. But yeah. uh, it's a related word. It's a related word. Happy, fortunate. The word happy can be associate with silly i was just silly when i heard the news meaning geez i was over the moon uh, i think maybe to take a very old cartoon character a happy hooligan oh uh -huh. uh, he wore a tin can for a hat and i think he was happy in a kind of silly way yeah uh well let's move on to some other ones we have a list of these that are a little more sophisticated like the word asinine yeah, I think this is actually pretty pretentious. <laughs> you know, to call somebody an ass is pretty straightforward. But if you say asinine, you're showing off. Mm. And all it means is as stupid as a donkey. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So asinine behavior is uh, you're uh, implying maybe to your audience, are you smart enough to understand how stupid I'm calling you? <laughs> no, I, I hadn't thought about this before, but at asinine is that really a thing like related to like porcine or bovine asinine yeah it is i see okay like an ass i never made that connection before no. yeah but there's a, a rare one that i ran into when researching this that's quite different answering and it looks at first as if it might be a misspelling of asinine but it really means silly like a goose answer being a latin name for goose and so we have the expression, you silly goose. Yeah. Not terribly popular these days, but I think most people would still know it. And there's an old expression, he hasn't got the brains, God gave a goose. I see. 
So is answering related to a goose-like animal? Yeah, that means you're as silly as a goose. I'm learning stuff here. I didn't know about uh, I, I had never made the connection with asinine. And, of course, I didn't know the word answering. Uh, how about fatuous? Where do, where do we get fatuous? Yeah, you know, I, I really had to look it up to nail it down because in context, it's not always terrifically clear what exact qualities there are. It comes from a Latin word, fatuus, F-A-T-U-U-S, meaning foolish, silly, insipid, and uh, comes into English in the 17th century, meaning foolish, vacantly silly, stupid, and besotted. You know, I always think of fatuousness as somehow implying speech that is uh, lacking in seriousness or meaning. It's just sort of empty talk that uh, the person speaking thinks it's smart, but it really doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. That's at least my association with it. It's not a word I use regularly. I certainly see it a lot of times, but... I don't know. What's your take on fatuous? Well, I don't know. Uh, the fact that it sounds so close to vacuous, mm-hmm. I, I do have that yeah vacant association with it. Maybe that's kind of my take on it. I I, I relate. I put those in sort of the same category. If I hear something is fatuous, I automatically tune in. Well, it's mm-hmm. vacuous. It's empty. It has nothing of substance there. Not fat. Not fat. Yeah. Not to be confused with fat-headed. Right. Well, there's a pretty obvious one, ill-advised. This is another one that's polite. Yes. And it, it's to the, it's related to the idea. It's not related to the person. Right. Yeah, you can't say, yeah. well, you're, you're, you're ill-advised. It's, I guess you could say you've been ill-advised, but I don't think people really do that. Right, yeah. So uh, an action or, or an idea that you did something is ill-advised, especially actions, I think, more often than, than ideas. I think uh, that could be Trump's slogan. Uh, he's ill-advised in a couple of senses of the word. He makes a lot of stupid mistakes, and he has a bunch of really bad advisors. He does, yeah. Uh, it, nepotism is not always your best route. And the reason this is more polite than some other things you can say is it seems to shift the blame to the advisors, mm-hmm. saying not uh, you've just hatched these stupid ideas out of your own brain, but you've been listening to the wrong people. Um, So it usually means the same thing as ill-considered. Yeah. Well, if you say uh, that's an ill-advised idea, there there could also be the sense of you were the one personally Mm -hmm. given the advice. (laughs) Yeah, and that's why I say like ill-considered means it's you did the considering. Yes, right, yeah. Injudicious synonym, sort of. Yes, um, it also is related to being short-sighted, really ill-considered. Yeah, well, let's move on to injudicious. So injudicious is a sort of learned way of saying that a person is lacking in sound judgment. Uh, It doesn't have to do with legal matters. It doesn't mean if something is injudicious that it can't be brought before a court. It just means uh, you're showing poor judgment doing something. Right, you're a bad judge of things. Again, you didn't really think it through. Mm -hmm. Well... What about this fancy way of saying senseless? Yeah, insensate. Yeah, that's again another maybe pretty pretentious one. Dates back to the 16th century and first occurs in John Skelton's 1528 book entitled Replication Against Certain Young Scholars. And this is available on the Internet. And it's the spelling a... I think we should reproduce the spelling as a, to go along with it so people can see it. It's just... Amazing. 
Well, it's uh, 16th century, you know, they didn't spell things the way we do. And that's not just true of them in general, but it's true from person to person, right? Oh, yeah, there's a lot of variation. So I'm going to try to read this in modern English, uh, looking at the old spelling. As touching the tetrical theologization. Now, let me stop there. Tetrical turns out to be a word meaning severe, which we don't have anymore. So as touching the tetrical theologization of these demi-divines and stoical studians and frisky jolly yunkerkins. Okay, frisky frisky jolly, you know, playful, uh, frivolous. And a yunkerkin is obviously a young person. That's a wonderful word. No chance for revival, I suppose, at this point of yunkerkin. Yeah, instead of youngins, you say, you know, how are the yunkerkins? Yeah. much better banned than brained, basked and bathed in their wild burbling and boiling blood, fervently reboiled with the infatuate flames of their reckless youth and witless wantness, wantonness, embraced and interlaced with a much fantastical frenzy of their insensate sensuality. <laughs> That's one of the most colorful, insulting sentences I've ever read. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, let's I'll replicate the whole sentence here uh, when we post the podcast. There there were some interjections in it in Latin, by the way, which I took out that I've marked with an ellipsis. Yeah, and I think we all need to wonder at your ability to read through that with any kind of modern pronunciation applied to it, because when you look at the spelling, there's so many chances that you would get all tripped up when you're reading through that. So good job. Well, let's move on to another obvious one, nonsensical. Uh, we, we went over senseless before. Right. It's just like senseless. Uh, but it, it sometimes is has a playful meaning, uh, more absurd than stupid. So nonsensical poetry could be, you know, nonsense verse. Mm-hmm. I think you have Edward Lear's nonsensical poetry. So it's often got this sort of playful association with it and... Uh, I don't think it'd be used to severely criticize somebody. And Edward Lear, uh, probably Al and the Pussycat is his most famous right. nonsense verse. How about obtuse? Yeah, this is another one that turns up quite frequently. I think a lot of people don't really quite get. And uh, I think my description in the book is pretty good, so I'll start by reading that. Yeah. Most people first encounter obtuse in geometry class where it labels an angle of more than 90 degrees and less than 180. Imagine what sort of blunt arrowhead that kind of angle would make, and you will understand why. It also has a figurative meaning of dull, stupid. In other words, not sharp. An acute angle. To be smartest, to be acute. Mm-hmm. And so obtuse is the opposite. But people often mix this word up with abstruse. Very different word. It means difficult to understand. So when you mean to criticize something for being needlessly complex or baffling. The word you need is not obtuse, but abstruse. Oh, boy. Yeah. And that is a, that is one that you hear quite a bit. Obtuse substituted where the word abstruse would be appropriate. Right. But obtuse just means not smart in the sense of not sharp. Yeah. Um, well, you know, here's one. I don't know how you feel about this one, but I, I kind of like it. Um Inane. Okay. Uh, that's a nice little insult. Yeah, literally, its original meaning is empty or void, and it was used sometimes even scientifically to describe a, a vacuum. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but it, it goes back to being empty headed, brainless. Right. Yeah. And it's related to vacuous. Yes. And vacuous is one of those that uh, relates to things that people say. It refers to vacuum, of course. Mm-hmm. So that was a, a vacuous speech or a vacuous idea. Just it's empty. It doesn't have any real content. Yeah. It's important or worth considering. It's not that old. That's a fancy word that was developed in the mid-19th century when people were doing experiments with vacuums. Now, uh, puerile is one that has a couple of different connotations, right? Yeah, well, it comes from the Latin word for a boy, puer, which gets generalized in the way that language often does of a child generally. And uh, so it, it just means childish. Mm-hmm. But definitely not childish in a positive sense. It's very definitely negative and has to do with not being mature, not behaving like a grown-up, just behaving like a silly little kid. So very, very juvenile, immature, adolescent. Uh, what about cockeyed? Is there any interesting etymology there? Or? Well, it had a literal meaning, which you can tell by just looking at the word. Originally, the cock is crooked and eyed so it, it was used to describe somebody who had a permanent squint so if their eyes didn't line up properly mm-hmm. they were called cockeyed but later it was used to mean absurd or ridiculous and in the u.s it became eventually a slang for drunk so somebody was came out of the bar cockeyed and staggered down the street mm-hmm. and they can be used to label stupid plans or ideas mm-hmm. cockeyed notions and from there we can springboard to cockamamie yeah i i think this is probably pretty old now i don't see cockamamie used very much anymore but it's particularly interesting i mean it's ridiculous and implausible it's most often used in the phrase of cockamamie theory Mm -hmm. Uh, for instance the aliens from other planets built the pyramids oh wait 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 yeah that's a cockamamie theory yeah, you, I think it's a cockamamie. Are you passing judgment on that theory? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, we'll adopt that as our, our official stamp. Pyramids were not built by aliens. Right. Okay. Not even Aztec pyramids, by the way, in case somebody's wondering about that. <laughs> uh, the Oxford English Dictionary says, very interestingly, that uh, although they're not certain where this expression came from, it may have been a, a developed out of decalomania. Decalomania was a mania for using temporary tattoo transfers. And the little strips of paper that the originals were printed on were called cockamamies. And kids would press them on their wrists and rub them with spit until the image is transferred onto their hands. Now we call them temporary tattoos. I can't remember what we called them when we were kids. They used to come often in Cracker Jacks. But it wasn't used as an insult until the 1960s. Cockamamie sounds like it might be, you know, a 19th century word, but it isn't. It's uh, something that didn't get that particular meaning until the 1960s. So these were little strips of paper that were used for temporary tattoos. No, those transfers. Yeah. I saw a little girl the other day with an incredibly elaborate one. It it wasn't Hello Kitty or something. It was uh, the kind of thing that you see on an adult with an abstract curling vine sort of thing. There are adults that use them now, too. Well, let's wrap it up with a few of these British expressions in the uh, book we would call these uk english expressions meaning british or world english maybe you might hear it more often how about the word soft 
yeah, it's it's simply short for soft in the head or soft headed. Started being used in the 17th century, and in this country, if you call somebody soft, you would mean they were weak or gentle or something like that. But it wouldn't necessarily imply they're stupid. But if you call somebody soft in Britain, it means they're soft in the head. And we don't use it too much here in the U.S., but it's not like we don't understand what it is. And same with the word thick. We went over that before. Uh, right. your, your head can be soft, it can be thick, neither one of those is good. But, uh, of course, uh, one we don't use much at all. In fact, I had never heard of it till today, gormless. What is gormless? gormless? <laughs> yeah, it always puzzled me when I, it was pretty clear what sorts of association it had, but I never really knew much about it until I looked it up. Lacking in sense or discernment, it may come from an old word, G-A-U-M, gaum, mm-hmm which means attention, notice, care. So if you're paying close attention to something, you're applying gum. Mm-hmm. But if you're not, then you're gumless. Yes. So the word was first spelled G-A-U-M-L-E-S-S and also G-A-W-N-L-E-S-S, gumless. And then how does that become gormless? Well, I think partly the British soft R, they, you know, they wouldn't say gormless, they'd say Gomless, there's a it's sort of an R that's you almost don't notice it has an R in American English. Um, so gormless anyway as a spelling. It's um it's common enough to turn up in novels and so on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, not one that I had wittingly seen before. I may have seen it, but I just didn't know it on the list there. Well, here's here's one. Uh, some of these that are related to naivete. Um, the word gullible. Right. Yeah. So when people are naive, that's another form of stupidity, but it's uh, softer meaning. You're just uh, not sophisticated, not knowing a lot. Well, gullible is interesting. To gull someone as a verb is to or fool them. You make a gull of them, so it becomes a noun at that point. Mm-hmm. So a person liable to be gulled is gullible. And one of the citations I ran into was by Thomas Carlyle, one of those formerly hugely famous authors that people don't think much about anymore. In a book, The Life of Schiller, wrote about um, Cagliostro. And I remember reading about Cagliostro in uh, Children's Digest when I was a kid. That was uh, sort of about the same size as the Reader's Digest and had... Uh, comic strips and stories and puzzles and all kinds of stuff in it. Got it monthly. And there was a cartoon story of the history of Cagliostro. He was a, a fraud in the Renaissance and we're making a link to uh, the Wikipedia entry on Alessandro Cagliostro because he was a really interesting character. Anyway, Carlyle calls him the king of quacks, the renowned Cagliostro, harrowing up the souls of the curious and gullible of all ranks by various thaumaturgic feats. Mm. Thaumaturgy refers to sort of kind of magic. Harrowing up, that reference is to a, a notion of the harrowing of souls. The idea that at the resurrection, Christ would go down and sort of clop out of a limbo or hell, depending on your theology, uh, those who deserve to be saved. Uh, so the harrowing of hell is not to give you a harrowing experience, uh, like in the sense of being clawed, but rescued. So he's harrowing up the souls. He's grabbing the souls up out of their bodies, sort of making them, well, not really soulless, but mindless, tricking them. 
Anyway, these people were, he said, it's the curious and the gullible are the people that he tricked. Well, I won't fall for it next time someone tells me gullible is not in the dictionary. (laughs) Just a couple more here. We have clueless. Okay, someone who hasn't got a clue, uh, uninformed, ignorant, stupid. Yes. And uh, also, of course, the title of the 1995 film, which was loosely based on Jane Austen's Emma, Mm -hmm. whose heroine is exceedingly naive, but by no means stupid. And a great movie, actually, (laughs) especially considering the genre. Uh, Very well done. Clueless. Um, And then there's expressions. I like I. Of course, we come up with all kinds of colorful expressions. Dumb as a box of rocks. You could be dumb as a lot of things. Right. I I just uh, started playing around with this and seeing how many different ones I could find. And some people had nicely put together lists of these expressions. So I was able to go over about three or four of them. And these are my favorites. Yeah. Dumb as a box of rocks is pretty common. Dumb as a sack of hammers. Yeah. Which is related to that very old expression that we had uh, referring to a hammer earlier. Yeah, sledgehammer. Thick as a brick. Isn't that an album? That's an album by the band Jethro Tull and a song and an album, yes. Right. Thick Thick as as a a brick. brick. Yeah. Doesn't know shit from Shinola. And Shinola being uh, shoe polish, which came in a paste. Uh, it sort of could be related to doesn't know his ass from his elbow, too. Right. Both of those are usually uh, euphemized in various ways. Right. It really surprised me when this uh, high-end watch company came out and branded its product, Shinola. Yeah. I have no idea what they have in mind there, if that's a secret <laughs> joke or they just thought they were shiny. <laughs> yeah. Then there's a, a set that have the idea of not the smartest, mm-hmm. not the brightest crayon in the box, mm-hmm. not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Mm-hmm. And uh, somewhat related, lost your marbles. And I like the sharpest knife in the drawer over the sharpest tool in the shed because uh, not every tool in your shed is supposed to be sharp (laughs) like a hammer (laughs) there's lots of tools in your shed that had better not be very sharp (laughs) yeah Yeah. a sharp hammer could do serious damage sure and then there's a a whole a huge people are always doing variations on a few short of something yes and it can also mean crazy rather than simply stupid yeah but um these can get very colorful Mm -hmm. Uh, a common one is a few bricks shy of a load that's an old one Mm-hmm. A few beers short of a six-pack, that's much more modern, mm-hmm. uh, which you also get the idea of uh, not playing with a full deck is related mm-hmm. to the same notion. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can make infinite numbers of variations on this. Sure. And then there's a bunch that are related to cricket. So British people use them. It wouldn't mean anything to Americans. One ball short of a wicket. One inning short of a match, one match short of a test. <laughs> I've always heard about test matches, and I thought somehow they might be like the semifinals or something, but it turns out just to be an international I cricket match. It's a test. Yeah. Other expressions. I already had uh, the one that doesn't give the, have the sense that God gave a goose, or but you also hear doesn't use the sense that God gave him. The light's on, but nobody's home. There's right. a lot of variations on that. Nothing upstairs, etc. Hasn't got the sense to come in out of the rain. I think this may be my favorite. This next one couldn't pour water out of a boot with instructions on the heel. <laughs> now you'll get a lot of other 
variations on this pouring something out of a boot, and none of them are nearly as clever and funny as, sure. as this one. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't find his ass with both hands in a road map. Mm-hmm. If brains were dynamite, he wouldn't have enough to blow his nose. Right. Not firing on all cylinders, and usually there's a specified number on all four cylinders, or on all six cylinders, or on all eight cylinders. Yeah. Here's one that I, somebody came up with. I, I don't think it's widespread, but it's clever. Mind like a steel sieve oh. instead of a steel trap. Right. And they, there's also this expression that something that's not all there. And uh, here's one that somebody came up with. She's like the Venus de Milo. Very pretty, but not all there. Okay. Yeah. And finally, uh, out to lunch. Yeah. So I was thinking it's getting to be about that time. Your uh yeah that's right yeah your 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 Venus de Milo comment and not all there reminds me of the old zombies hit she's not there uh-huh. uh which I think is open for interpretation on its surface it's about somebody who feels like he's hooked up with some girlfriend that he doesn't like anymore <laughs> it turns out he just thinks she's kind of too spaced out you know she's not all there you know she's not there uh-huh. um she's just or, or she's or she's lost it somehow she's gone a little over the deep end uh maybe too drugged out she's not there but i always take the much much more sinister interpretation of the uh the singer has actually murdered his girlfriend and don't bother trying to find her she's not there i i think if you you could look at it all kinds of different ways i'm not familiar with that song well well paul you did not grow up in the 60s clearly you're 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 lying about your age or something i don't know oh i know a lot of 60s songs (laughs) the zombies are one group i never listened to uh right yeah anyway i think that's enough on the negativity don't you we've been talking about slurs and words that can insult one's intelligence but i would like to take a break from this next time and do a more positive list shall we on smart right let's get smart all right that sounds good thank you paul that's all for the podcast this week as usual you can send your comments and questions to common errors podcast at gmail.com if you want to support the podcast buy the book the common errors in english usage book can be bought online at your favorite online seller at our website wmjasco.com with free shipping. Thanks for listening.